good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Excited for this team that is going out to Cyprus and excited for what God is going to do here as well. This summer, we are beginning a brand new series in the book of Proverbs that last week you were very excited about as we announced. And so I'm excited that you're excited to be able to dig in to this incredible book that we are calling this series, The Way of Wisdom. As we dig into what is this way that is wise, this way that follows and submits after God himself, that's the heart of wisdom. And so today, as we look into this, we are going to um, look into the very beginnings of it because we all want to live lives that are wise, right? We want to be people who have wisdom and live a life of wisdom. I want you to think about even right now, like what do you need wisdom for in your life? We all want to have, right, friendships, that, that lift us up and we lift them up. We all want to have marriages that thrive. We want to be able to think of how do we handle conflict at work? How do we deal with, with money and our desire for it and, and the negative part of that, but also how we, we also need it. We need it to live. So how do we deal with money? How do we raise our kids? How do we deal with disappointment? How do we trust God in the hardest of times? We have these questions in our life, and you might have a question even to consider. What are the questions that you are asking right now? Lord, I need wisdom in this area. And the thing is, is that you might actually have answers or knowledge about that area. You might have read a book on money or a book on parenting, and so you've got a bunch of you know, answers and knowledge about those subjects. But sometimes knowledge isn't enough. Right? We can't just know about something, but we need to ask the Lord, how can I, Lord, have wisdom that comes from you? I would even encourage you to remember that today is Pentecost Sunday, or Shavuot in the, the Hebrew calendar. And this is the day that we remember that the Holy Spirit has come and indwells us and empowers us. And so if we seek wisdom, let's say, Spirit of God, please give me wisdom. Please empower me with that wisdom from you that I need in my life. I think about uh, for myself a lot of times when it's like knowledge is not enough. And I know like I'm a, I'm a pastor and I've been a lifelong student of theology and I even went to school for it, the same one that Aaron went to as well. <laughs> but, uh, but like all of that knowledge, a lot of times like we think, okay, I've got all the answers, but then a life situation comes along, like, this, like grief. You know, someone close to you dies or someone that you love has someone close to them die those kind of moments of grief and you think, okay, I've got these answers. I know that we worship a God who has this eternal perspective that is far beyond my understanding of pain and suffering. And I, I know that he knows that this little blip of, of suffering in this moment is, is nothing on the trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions infinity years of, of eternity and how God sees through that kind of perspective. And maybe I should learn to see through that perspective. And God also knows and I know that I've got the answers that my my Suffering is going to help me to grow and, and all that. And I know all that kind of stuff. 
But also, I'm just really sad right now and I don't know what to do, right? We need to live through it. We need to have the experience. A person with wisdom has experienced and lived and acted upon the stuff they know. You might know a lot about love, but until you've experienced love and heartbreak, don't try to tell me about what love is, right? We have, like, wisdom is about a life lived, lessons learned through living. And so when we get into this book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs can't just be a little quote book, chicken soup for the soul that you keep next to the toilet so you can be encouraged by some pithy quotes, right? You know, like we have to think of the book of Proverbs more than just a cool quote book to make us successful in our lives. We have to think about what is the scope and purpose of the Proverbs before we then get into each little individual thing that talks about work and money and sex and family and parenting and marriage and friendship and trust, all of those different topics that come up in these books. And then, okay, but what is the whole thing trying to do? And what I love about the book of Proverbs is, let's turn in our Bibles to Proverbs 1, if you haven't already. Uh, Grab that Bible that's on the back of that seat there in front of you. Turn in the Bible on your device if you didn't bring one with you. But I'm going to be reading from the NLT. It's so cool. I mean, we'll see. It just straight up tells you, here's the point of this book. Here's the purpose of this stuff. It's very blatant, and you don't have to try to figure it out. So, Let's start to read it. I'm going to pause after the very first verse too. So it says, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. All right, so there's a a book full of this stuff that Solomon has either written or compiled from others to be able to give to you. And we remember that Solomon himself was one that in 1 Kings 3, Solomon asks God for wisdom. He says, Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. And God says, Because you've asked for wisdom, I'll give it to you and so much more. So this guy that has asked God for wisdom and God has said, Yes, I will give it to you. He's put these thoughts together. There's a few different voices of wisdom within this book. There's Solomon's, of course, the stuff he wrote down. There's this kind of voice of a father to a son, a father imparting this wisdom to his son in there. There's even uh, wisdom personified as a woman, Lady Wisdom, who speaks to you from wisdom herself. Proverbs 31 is actually uh, the writings of this king who remembers the wisdom that his mother passed on to him. And now he's writing down this wisdom from his mom for you to learn. There's all these different voices of wisdom that Solomon has either written or compiled for you. And so now we keep reading, all right? The purpose of the Proverbs, verse 2. Their purpose is... Don't you love, like, just by the way, I'm sorry, I just love when the Bible does that. It's like, thank you for the ease here and the directness. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. 
These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. How? By exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. And before I read the last verse, just say, do you see how this is for everyone? This is for, I'll let you describe if you think you're simple, okay? <laughs> Sorry, however the Bible uses this word. But the simple, maybe you don't feel like the smartest tool in the shed, that's okay. You know, this is for you. This is going to help you be more wise. Maybe you feel like you're already wise. He says, hey, it's for you also. You should listen to these words. You'll become even wiser. This is for the young to grow. This is for the old to continue to grow, to become even wiser. It's for all of us. And then it closes out this section, verse 7. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Okay, so we are going to get into this now. Okay, what is the point of the Proverbs? They teach wisdom. They teach the good of discipline. They'll help you understand what it means to be wise, to be disciplined and successful. So there's three key things that we're going to talk about in here. And if you're a note taker, write these three words down. There are three key things that we are going to look at in this. We're going to look at wisdom. We're going to look at discipline. And then we're going to look at the fear of the Lord. Okay? Wisdom, discipline, and the fear of the Lord. These three key things, I think, is what it talks about the purpose of the Proverbs that will help us as we then look each week into each individual thing and topic and little quote here and there. Remember this as this overarching theme. Wisdom, discipline, and the fear of the Lord. All right. So the first thing, we are to pursue wisdom. And how do we do that? We do that through exploration and action. I love verse 6 where it says, how do we do this? By exploring the meaning. Okay, we explore the meaning of these proverbs and parables and riddles. <laughs> the words of the wise and their riddles. And so we dig into it. We need to explore it and pursue it. But what is wisdom? Wisdom is kind of a, uh, like something we think we know, but I don't know if we actually totally understand because a lot of times we think of wisdom as just knowledge. But wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom has to include action. Okay? Wisdom is not just knowledge, but action. It's kind of like what faith is. The definition of faith is not just belief. It's belief that is acted out on. Right? Belief that is lived out. It's not just a mental assent to a belief in something. But we actually live it out. Because we have faith, we act upon that belief. That was a, an ancient or even like a first century understanding of faith. In that same way, in this ancient world, the understanding of wisdom is that there's knowledge that is lived out or experienced. And that's why we think of a, an older person as wise. Because they don't just know about stuff from learning about it in school. They've actually lived it. They've lived it out and experienced it and now have a sense of wisdom. And so wisdom is applied knowledge. Okay? Knowledge that has been applied. You can think of wisdom as applied knowledge. Now, 
Uh, interestingly, this word for wisdom in the, the Hebrew is chokhmah. Chokhmah is kind of a, a cool word here. Uh, chokhmah is, uh, is, is wisdom most of the time in the Bible. Okay, Now, every once in a while you'll see it translated as ability or skill, like you will here in Exodus 31. Now, this is where God's giving instructions through Moses to the people of how to build the tabernacle and all the things inside the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship. So this artist, this craftsman, was, was also given wisdom, or what's translated here, ability. Okay, because it's all about doing something with the wisdom. You don't just have wisdom and sit there and be kind of like Yoda wise and give little sayings, right? You actually have to live it out. You have to do something with that wisdom. And so that's what even this craftsman was given this sort of wisdom and ability. Uh, I do want to even encourage you, uh, we're not showing one of these videos today like we do sometimes, but I highly encourage you to even like to understand wisdom and the Proverbs a little more to check out the Bible Project. Okay, if you just Google the Bible Project Proverbs, they've got two different sort of intro videos on this book that are just so good and so helpful. Because like I do all this work after going to Talbot School of Theology and all that, you know, I do all this work in these like academic books and I'm, I'm doing all this work and I go, oh yeah, I think I remember I've like studied and written stuff down. I'm like, oh yeah, I think I should check out the Bible Project video. And then I'm like, oh man, they're saying all that stuff in like four minutes in a really concise, <laughs> easy to understand way. I should just watch that. Uh, so I encourage you, you've got a lot of like tools out there that you can use. Uh, really, really helpful that I think can help you understand some more of this stuff. But part of this is wisdom literature. The book of Proverbs is wisdom literature. There's different genres in the Bible, like styles of writing, right? Different types of writing in the Bible. And just kind of like there would be a difference between if you read a, you know, like a romance novel or a math textbook. Those are different genres, okay? Uh, you know, like, like you just got lots of different uh, genres of writing in the world, and they're both trying to do very different things. Like if you're reading a, a sci-fi novel or you're reading a book of history, Hopefully those are different. They're kind of starting to blend, but, you know, not, uh, <laughs> hopefully not, not too much. But, like, there's all these different genres. Now there's different genres of literature within the Bible itself. And so there's a difference between the law portions, the beginnings of the Bible, the law portions, that there is to the poetry, right? The book of Psalms would be a book of poetry. The book of Leviticus, uh, a book of law. And so those are very different types of writing, uh, a difference between, like a letter in the epistles, uh, a letter to a church as the story of what happens in the book of Acts or the gospels of the early church or the life of Jesus, different kinds of writings. And so it's important even as we understand the book of Proverbs that the book of Proverbs isn't law, okay? The book of Proverbs isn't law. For example, you, I wouldn't want you to read Proverbs 18, 16. Giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. 
That's not the law of God. And if you don't give a gift to someone to open doors for you in life, that you are now in sin. You understand that? That's, it's not doing that same kind of thing. Now that's wise for you. Hey, that's, okay, isn't that interesting the Bible even says that? Hey, this is a good idea. You give a gift to someone that's going to help you out. <laughs> so the, the Bible has some thoughts on wise living, not just, and so it's not law, and it's also not a prophecy. It's not this guarantee that this will happen, a promise if you give a gift to someone, therefore all doors will be open to you and your life's going to be perfect and you'll accomplish every goal. It's not, a, it's not prophetic literature. So I want you to understand that wisdom literature has a very specific purpose. And so this is uh, an example of that. Uh, Ecclesiastes, Job, some others like, would be considered wisdom literature. Now, so just like, so as we get into this, just be thinking throughout this whole book that this is God's way to wisdom. This is God's way of living your life in the way that he says will be successful. He even uses that word. So just like this whole thing is, is all about the definition of wisdom is applied knowledge, knowledge that you actually live out, we see that in the, the book of James as well. James 1, 22, this is in the New Testament, and 25, where it says, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. The book of Proverbs has a lot of comparison between the wise person and the fool. So does James 1.22. If you just listen to the word and don't do what it says, you're a fool. Don't be a fool. James uh, 1.25 says, Then, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. By the way, the law sets you free. That's a beautiful thing. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We have to live it out. Okay, we live out what we hear. That's throughout the Proverbs, but it's also throughout the Bible. And you'll gain wisdom as you actually do them. So I don't know, I was just like looking through, and I was like just seeing some things on that same page as the one about giving gifts. And uh, Proverbs 17, 14, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute breaks out. Like, okay, that's a nice thought. So don't be then the person that's starting arguments all the time. Stop the argument. Stop the quarreling. Spouting off, 1813, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. We could tell our whole social media generation this, okay? We need to tell everyone, like, we need to think this way. Or, or, the, or the news TV spouting off before listening to the facts is shameful and foolish. So don't do it. You might even think, oh, cool, cool thought. And then this afternoon you're like, rah, 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 rah. I'm going to spout off. Don't spout off. The next time you want to spout off, stop it. Because the Bible tells you that is not wise. That is the way of fools. Lazy people sleep soundly, but idleness leaves them hungry. So don't be lazy. Don't just listen to that, but work hard. The scriptures say that will work out well for you in your life as you work hard. So we don't just read it, we do it, we practice it. And so this should be a book that we keep returning to over and over again. We're spending time in it, meditating upon the words in prayer, asking the Spirit of God to be working in us and allowing those words to change us. And I think they're even better read in community 
as well. To be able to, with others, read some and then talk about it and help sharpen one another, help encourage one another. That's actually one of the Proverbs, to sharpen one another, okay? So like that's something that we should do together. And so even just another reminder of what we talked about earlier about life groups with this life group fair today after the service, like you need to be in a group You need to be in a setting where you're able to talk about this stuff. And even I I encourage some of you to have your group that you're in be more about talking about this with one another and not just another opportunity to listen to one person talk to you, but actually discuss these things and sharpen one another through them. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. We want to walk with other people who are wise, and that helps us to be a wise person. So gather with a group. Be part of something like that. All right, so that's that first step, wisdom. We pursue wisdom through exploring it and acting on it. The second thing is going to be a little challenging, I think, for some of us. That is, a a successful life is someone who responds well to discipline. That was an interesting uh, accident there. Sorry for that. Uh, Uh, But verse 3 here says, um, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. It's in verse 2 as well. Their their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Their purpose, then verse 3, sorry, is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. And then verse 7, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, I was thinking about this word because actually when I was first reading this, I was reading that to be disciplined and successful. And so my brain at first was going to like disciplined, like determined, that kind of disciplined. I want to be a a person that is living out a disciplined life and strict discipline, kind of keeping, uh, keeping things up, being determined to keep going, practicing hard things, that kind of disciplined person. And then I saw like another translation, instead of the word discipline, it said instruction. And I was like, that feels different, like discipline and instruction. Those feel like really different words. And then I was looking a little more into the Hebrew, but the Hebrew does mean discipline, but it means discipline like you're in trouble discipline, okay? It means correction. It means corrective instruction. It's that kind of discipline, all right? So it's discipline when you are going the wrong way and you're, you receive discipline to turn and go the right way. It's that kind of discipline, which I think is the kind of discipline that we don't like that much, right? We don't like to receive discipline. We might think even if we're adults, like, oh, I I did receive discipline when I was a kid. Now I'm an adult and I don't have to receive discipline anymore. But this book of Proverbs seems to say actually receiving discipline is a good thing for all of us. And I So to consider, like as I keep talking here, just kind of considering your life of how well do you receive discipline and how do you respond to that if someone gives you corrective instruction. I remember when I was uh, in my junior year in high school, I remember taking uh, AP U.S. History. And... Uh, this, is, this is way back in ancient days, 1991. Uh, and so I was taking AP U.S. history, and our teacher did this thing a little over halfway through the year where he would meet individually with each one of us to tell us um, how he thought we would do on the AP test at the end of the year and whether or not we should even bother taking it. And so I remember um, Dr. DeLeo meeting with me and saying, meeting, with, and I'm, 
I got to admit, I'm like a relatively confident person usually in my life. And he sat me down and said, Eric, I don't think you should even bother taking it because you just can't pass the test. And I was like, what? (laughs) No way. But I remember being mad. But then you know what? His little psychology game he was doing on me there worked because I worked my butt off, and I studied so hard for that test. And my junior year, you've heard me talk about my junior year high school with parties and all that kind of nonsense happened at my house. I was not like the most disciplined, the other kind of disciplined person, but I received that corrective instruction from him, and I worked so hard, and I passed that test. <laughs> and I passed that test, whether it was despite Dr. DeLeo or whatever, but I did. And so I remember that, that whole thing helped me. I responded to that corrective instruction well. And like for for you, how do you, like it's harder maybe now for me to respond well to corrective instruction, but we need to be able to do that to be successful. He pairs this with success. Like if you respond well to this, you will be successful in your life. And our culture doesn't respond well to discipline or to corrective instruction. Our culture celebrates pride as a virtue, and it's not. We need to be able to respond to correction with humility. That's the virtue, is humility. And so may we be a people who practice and live out humility that we can change, we can, we can receive that and actually act out in a way of changing our life to be more in line with Christ. So we pursue wisdom and we receive discipline. But there's this one more unique thought in here in this passage that frames this whole book of Proverbs, and it's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the only path to true wisdom. Again, it's the foundation of knowledge. It says, verse 7, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. So even those first two things that we've talked about is saying the contrast of the fear of the Lord is despising wisdom, despising discipline. So I won't act out on my knowledge. Like I won't live out the knowledge I have. I won't receive instruction well. That's the opposite of the fear of the Lord. But I want us to understand what the fear of the Lord is. And so you see this here, the fear of the Lord. First of all, it's not terror or being terrified, right? It's not cringing away like a dog that's been hit too many times. That's not the kind of cringing that we are to be doing from God. It's not that kind of terror, but it is this sense of reverence and awe. We recognize who God is. I'm in awe of you as a holy God, and I see your might and your strength and your power and your love and your eternal nature, and I'm in awe of your wonder, God. And I have this reverence towards him. But then that leads us to this mindset, this moral mindset that says, I know I'm not God. God is God. I'm not. God is the one who knows what good and evil are. And not me. I'm not the one that determines good and evil. God is the one that determines good and evil. And then therefore I will have a mindset of humility that embraces God's definitions of what's right and what's wrong. 
Lord, I will submit to your way. Your way is what's right. No matter what I think about it, no matter how inconvenient it is for me, no matter how it goes against the prevailing ways of our culture and society, I say, Lord God, I will be humble and submit to you. I have a fear of God that is reverent to him, but also knows that I am not him. I don't get to say what is right and wrong. God does, and I submit myself to that humbly. That is an easy thing to be happy to hear in church, but a harder thing to live out. To live out that fear of the Lord. And I would say it's a problem for both the young and the old for different reasons. That we are so sort of ruled by whatever source of media we have subscribed to, you know, from, from whatever to whatever, from polar ends of spectrums to what the kids use to what the grown-ups use, okay? It's all of it. And we have so much been discipled by those things that we have lost our fear of the Lord. We are afraid of what our community will think of us more than what we think God thinks of us. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, and it is the only way to wisdom. And so you have to do a self-check here, my friends, on a couple of these things. Where are you when it comes to the fear of the Lord? Have you submitted yourself to his way above your own way? Are you able to receive corrective instruction in your life? Genuinely think about these things. Are you more discipled by your source of media than you are by the word of God? Genuinely reflect on these questions. The way to wisdom The way to a life that the scriptures call success is to be wise, to receive discipline, and to have a healthy fear of the Lord. Do you have that? And I would say allow that then to frame how you hear every sermon for the next three months. For the rest of this summer, allow that to be the filter wisdom, discipline, fear of the Lord, of how I, how I process when the person talks about the Word of God or when they talk about work or when they talk about marriage or they talk about parenting or money or trust or any of these different issues that we'll get into. It's these things. It's these things. So what I'd ask for you to do is just to start reading this book. Just start digging in on your own. Dig in and read over and over and over again this book of Proverbs and dwell upon it, meditate on it, pray, ask the Spirit of God to work in you through it for you to have a life of wisdom. Read it in community, read it with friends, allow it to work in you and change you. Let it, let it just be what the entire breadth of it is what changes you, not just an individual quote or an individual sermon, but allow God's word to work in you. We're going to, in a moment here, transition into a time of communion. I want to read some in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1.24 is on the screen, but I want to read 
1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25 to you. This verse on the screen is kind of the, the, the crux of the entire thing. But as we think about communion and we think about Jesus and the cross, as well as in the, this kind of lens of wisdom, hear this. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. And it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. God's way is going to seem like foolishness to our world. But it is wise. It's what he has chosen to do. And it says there in verse 24 that Jesus Christ himself is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. So if you want to know wisdom, put your gaze fixed on Jesus. Read about Jesus. Reflect on the life Jesus has lived. Reflect on his words throughout the scriptures. He is creator God and he is savior God. He is God himself. And so fix your eyes upon him and you will know wisdom. And so what we do now in a moment here, we'll take communion. We'll do that together. And so we remember and we say, Lord, this way that it seems so foolish to the world for the king of kings to sacrifice his life, that's, that's absurd. Why would you die when you're the king? And you don't have to because he did it willingly. Willingly. And so we remember that today. So we're going to sing a song now as we head into this time of communion. As we sing this song that speaks of how our God is the same God that he was in these old Bible stories as he is today. We remember that he, the same God who spoke these ancient words of wisdom then the same God today that we worship and we remember as we take communion. So hold on to those elements, reflect as we sing this song, and then we'll take communion together after this. Almighty God, we, we thank you for how rich the scriptures are, Lord. Just how rich these few verses at the beginning of Proverbs are. How practical this book will be of helping us in our lives to live lives that are successful to live lives that are according to your way, Lord. And I pray now, God, that we would remember that you are the source of wisdom, that you are 
wisdom itself, God. And so we look to you and we remember all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.